Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Who are the generous people in your life? You think back over your life, who are the people that come to your mind? You know, i got an advantage today. The clock back there is five minutes slow, and uh, so it's really only 22, according to the church clock, okay, not quarter two. <clears throat> who are the people that come to your mind who you would say are truly, were, were people that were just generous, that you remember who were generous, and that's just something that stands out. I mean, I think of the people who, who, who have gone on, who God has called home. Uh, I don't want to mention people who are sitting here today because I don't want to embarrass them, okay, um, because there's a lot of them here today. But I thank God. I think of my father-in-law, Trainer Hansen. Uh, he was so generous, and uh, you know, anytime there was a need here at church that he would hear about from us, about someone needing camp scholarship or help, uh, man, he was the first one to say, well, how much do they need? It was just, it was just him, um, let alone his generosity and his prayer life, praying for people. We'd go out to eat. We'd, we'd go once a week with them. And, of course, he'd always buy. Um, and uh, he would tip 40 to 50 percent. Can you believe that? What the waitresses and waiters loved seeing us come in there? <laughs> Not me. They loved to see trainer come in, you know. But it was kind of a ministry, too. I still go to restaurants in the area where some of them work, and they remember it was just that spirit of generosity. I remember my friend Jack Ward, my daughter's father-in-law. Uh, Father's Day, of course, is a special day, and we, we think of Jack. And I just he, the thing that always struck me, just what a generous man. God had blessed him. He worked hard. God had blessed him. He was just so generous. It was just a spirit, an attitude. I think of my mother, who didn't have hardly, really, not much at all. But I think of how she used her car as a taxi and would pick up people all the time and bring them to church, give them rides, work in the kitchen. She was just, with what she had, was generous. Who comes to your mind today? And I wonder when, when we are gone, when we are gone, when I am gone, when people think about us, will that thought come to mind that we were, that I was, and that you were a generous person? I'd like to open your Bibles for a few moments and just to give a little bit of a shorter message here today from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And you might if you read this this last week in our weekly Bible reading, you might wonder how we get generosity out of this passage. But I would like to show you because the Apostle Paul was a man whose life uh, just emitted generosity in so many ways. On one hand, he was a man who was financially dependent, as he, as he talks about in his epistles, he was dependent on everybody else, really, to help him. He did work as a tent maker and did what he could. But even when he was in prison under house arrest and later on, he, he was dependent on everybody else. And yet he, he was so generous. And I want to show you that today. I want you to take that home with you on this Father's Day, the spirit of generosity. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word just for a few minutes, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to your word. We've heard your word already today, Lord. We've heard it through music. We've heard it through the sharing of the Shoreline Community Care, through Gina's testimony, through the special music. Um, and we open our hearts now to hear your written word as we consider it together. Bless it. Might we hear your words, not mine today. In Christ's name, amen. This, this uh, chapter 9 is really the first part of it, is 
I'll just, I'll just kind of give it to you in summary, where Paul speaks to the Corinthian church and reminds them that it is God's way of doing things, that those involved in the ministry are supported by those being ministered to. Now, you might think this is kind of odd for a pastor to get up and talk about this, because I'm supported by you, right? And, uh, but, but, I, but, I, but, you know, we're family, you know, and so I don't mind talking to you about this. And, uh, and I want you to notice, but, but Paul, his point here is he doesn't take help because of the situation, because he was being criticized, it appears, by some for being in this for the money, which, of course, was totally ridiculous. But for the sake of the gospel and the message, he wouldn't take help from the Corinthians, even though they should have helped him. And so he says, Am I, I'm free. Am I not an apostle? And he goes on to talk about his apostleship. And then he says in verse, uh, he, he says in verse, at the end of verse, in verse six, or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? You know, Peter, the other apostles, the minister, you support them. But is it only Barnabas and I who have to work in tent making and so forth? And he says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends the flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this from merely a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? If it is written in the law of Moses, and this is the principle God laid down with the religious life of his people in the Old Testament, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? And so he's talking and teaching the Corinthian church, and in a sense teaching the Christian church, even though he goes on to say, but I'm not taking help from you because of the current situation. But he reminds them, and so down the road in the future, and other generations of believers would understand this principle that God's people support God's work. We've talked today about mission work, and our church has been a strong supporter of mission work. We've talked today about local mission work, Shoreline Community Care, which is doing this in the name of Jesus Christ and helping those in our community. You support us, and I, and I thank you as, as, as pastors in this church. Uh, from the very beginning, when our church started with nothing, you know, we used to say we started with nothing, not even a paper clip, that um, our church started with nothing, but they had a full-time pastor and a full-time Christian education director. And as soon as we could, we added a full-time youth pastor. And our church has always been committed to having a pastoral staff to, to, to serve and to minister in this church because of your following the principle laid down in the New Testament that God says that, and I'm part of this church too, and we contribute to this ministry too, that we as a church should support the work. And I say this for this reason today, when I'm thinking about generosity. I want to tell you that this church has not only been generous in supporting pastors so we can do the work of this church, our support staff, that we can that we can minister, our missionaries. But this church has been a supporter and encourager of our Grace Gospel Fellowship, our college, and historically, historically, our church has produced more pastors, uh, pastor spouses, um, missionaries, presidents of things like GGF than any church in the Grace Fellowship. And that's true. 
just come to conference this summer, and you will see, if you stop and look at the list of names of the people speaking, the people in the National Cabinet, the person who's the president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, you will see that Brian's foot, foot, a fingerprint, footprint too, but fingerprint is all over it. Because historically, we have challenged and committed full-time Christian work in this church. And we are continuing to commit to that. Our prayer is in, in, in every, every occupation, every vocation, uh, whether, no matter what it is, working at Neorex like these guys did, whether you're a full-time homemaker, whatever, whatever God's called you to is a Christian vocation. It's not just pastors who are full-time Christian workers. And at the same time, we do encourage, if God lays it on your heart and calls you to full-time Christian ministry, that we want to encourage you and support you with our prayers and be generous as people to encourage this. This church has been generous with its young people for Christian ministry. But I want you to notice what else Paul says. He goes on to talk about this. And he says in verse 19, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. And that is a real contradiction if you think about it. Paul says, I am free, but I'm a slave. He's a free slave. He's a servant. He has given his life. And here's the reason. I am a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And I want you to look at this next couple of verses here. Paul is not talking about finances and money and support here. But he is talking about a generous heart. Generosity is more than money. Generosity is more than giving financially. Generosity is a way of life. That you give your life, that you serve others, that you are here to help and to be a part of God's great work. And so he says here, verse 20, To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. In parentheses, it says in our English translation, though I myself am not under the law. Why? So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Parentheses. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. Why? So as to win those who not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. Why? To win the weak. He sums it up by saying, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I may save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Paul's spirit of generosity included how he related to people, how he treated them, how he served them, and you notice, and this, this is a real challenge, and this can be a challenge to us. But you notice what he says. This is the Apostle Paul now. This was God's chosen vessel to bring this message of the mystery of the body of Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians, that had not been previously revealed, and now it's being revealed. And, and Paul was, was called from his former life of persecuting the church, hunting down Christians, killing them, putting them in prison, getting them to blaspheme, saving him by the grace of God, and putting him into the ministry. This is the Apostle Paul who received revelation from God as the apostles did and wrote the epistles as Peter and James and John as they received revelation and shared that revelation with believers. And Paul writes to the church and says, listen, 
to the Jews, I will be like a Jew. And you notice the next group, to those under the law, I will be like those under the law. Why is that two groups? Aren't the Jews under the law? But I want to suggest to you that the first category has to do with race. You know, he's, he's emphasizing to, to, to the Jewish people, I will be like a Jew. There were Jewish people in Paul's day who did not really practice the law. Like always in any religion, any group, there are those who were, who were nominal. There were those who lived in other extended areas who weren't as religious as the people in Palestine and weren't as religious as Paul was, but they're Jews. And Paul says, you know what? When I go and visit and minister to Jews, I will be like a Jew. And when I go to visit and minister and serve and to talk with those who are under the law, who really live according to the law of Moses, who are scrupulous, who keep kosher, who keep cleanliness, who keep all the ritual washings, who keep um, the sacrificial system, who, who pray X amount of times daily, when I'm with those people, I'm going to be like them. And to, and to prove that point, if you took a few minutes this morning, now you can do this on your own, Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 18, Paul takes a Jewish vow that he did not have to take. No one could make him do that. He was free. He says, I'm free from the law. But he did it as a ministry and, 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 to, and, and to help the fellow Jews not have anything that would say, well, he's just against our Jewish law. Paul says, no, I know your law. I know better than you do, probably. I'll take a vow. He had Timothy circumcised as an adult. It's part of the Jewish law. He did this to minister to Jews. He didn't have to do that. But then he turns around and says, but when I go and I'm with the Gentiles, when I'm with those who are not part of this Jewish law and this Jewish system, to those not having the law, I become like one of those, race and religion. And he says, when, I, when I'm with the, non, with the non-Jews who don't practice law, I'm going to be like them. When I go to a Gentile's house and I sit down and they don't wash their hands according to the way I was brought up, when they don't eat kosher food, I will eat with them. I will do that. Now, how contradictory is this? I mean, you might say, well, this, we would say today, he's just flip-flopping, you know? He'll go to the Jew's house and live like a Jew. He'll go to the person who's scrupulous in the law and even go further. And he'll go to the Gentile's house and, he, and he'll throw all that out the window and be like them. How can he do that? Well, friends, he makes it very clear. And it's a very important phrase here. And that, that clarifies this. Paul says in verse uh, 21... When he's talking about those not having the law, but then he says, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. And when it came to issues of morality, of ethics, he was not free from them. In other words, if he came, if he came to my house and I said, well, Paul, let's go out and steal some food and eat it. Paul's not going to say, well, I'm going to be like a you, so I don't offend you, so I'll go with you and steal some food. Of course not. That's God's law. So when it comes to the matter of ethics and morality, Paul says, I am under God's law there. I will not break God's law. But when it comes to matters of difference, of, of, of indifference, you could say, of things that are not ethical or moral issues, Paul was willing to live by either one for one reason. For one reason. That I might reach as many as possible for Jesus Christ. Gene, this morning, we say 200 family members you're ministering to. You've got a congregation bigger than a lot of churches. 200 to reach as many as I can for Jesus Christ. That is a spirit 
of generosity. That a person is willing to, to give up their rights and to serve everyone they come in contact with, whatever, whatever race, whatever religion, whatever their conscience. And you notice the last group. You notice the last group he mentions? The last group that Paul mentions in verse 22. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. What does he mean by this? How do you become weak? Who are the weak? You notice he doesn't say anything about the strong. Paul has this uh, special heart for the weak. And if you read the context of Corinthians, the previous chapter, and if you read on, as you read, may be reading our Bible reading, as you read the New Testament this week, you will find in this context, the weak are fellow believers mostly who came from pagan background, who are struggling with some of these freedoms in Christ. This person who came from this pagan background that used to worship this pagan God, and now they become a Christian and they've made a clean break and realize how pagan that was. And they come to, to dinner at, at, at this guy's house, and Paul is invited, and here comes a, a slab of meat that's, that's placed on the table. It was cooked and, has, and it's stamped. From the marketplace, this was offered to that God. And that person used to worship that God. And they're looking at that meat. And it all of a sudden brings back all these memories of that pagan worship. And their conscience strikes them. And they say, I just can't eat that meat. And they don't, maybe they don't even say anything. Maybe they're just embarrassed. And, they, but, and Paul says, hey, we're free. We can eat that meat. It doesn't make a difference. It has nothing to do. And he's right. And Paul says that. You know what? The meat is, is, doesn't mean anything. I don't care who they stamp it with, who it was offered to. It's just meat. I am free to eat it. But you know what Paul says? Read it in Corinthians. Paul says very clearly, if that meat is going to offend my brother and put some kind of a, some, some kind of a barrier between him and his growing faith with God... I will give up ever eating meat again in my life. Why? Because I'm a servant of all. Did he have to? No. Was it okay to eat that meat? Yes. But Paul says, these brothers of mine who are weak, they're young in the faith, this is challenging to them, I will gladly give up meat. I will gladly give up drink. I will gladly give up the hall. I will gladly give up holidays, my rights, anything that would take if I can reach them for Jesus Christ. And what I'm telling you today, friends, this has nothing to do in this case with money, with giving, with having more than others to give, other than that Paul was willing to be generous with his life and to give, to give, to give, and to give up, to, receive, to refuse to take help when he deserved to have help from the Corinthians. He did all this, why? Because of the spirit of generosity, because God had been generous with him. If there is ever a man who walked this earth whom God had been generous with, it was the Apostle Paul. And Paul says this, I am the chief of sinners. I deserve the least of anybody to receive the grace of God and forgiveness for sins. But he did this specifically. He called me. He did it for this reason, that nobody anywhere, and that includes today, that includes anybody sitting here today. If you don't know Christ as Savior, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm not worthy. You know what, none of us are worthy. And the Apostle Paul says, God's grace was shown to me for a reason. That from here on out, 
Anybody could look at the grace of God and say, well, if Paul could receive it, I could receive it. He was killing Christians. And God saved him by his grace and mercy. God was generous with Paul. I want to ask you a question today, my friends. And I'll ask myself first. Has God been generous with you? Has God been stingy with you? God been stingy? Has God forgiven some of your sins, but eh, some were not quite forgivable? Has God been stingy when you've asked him for help, for peace, for pay? Is God stingy? No. God is generous. He giveth and giveth and what? Giveth again. We sing that hymn. His grace has no limit. No measure. His mercy. He is a graceful, giving God. And because of that, God has asked each one of us, young or old, rich or poor, single or married, widow or widower, whatever your situation is today, you're part of this community of faith, you're here with us today, or you're part of this shoreline community of faith. God has been generous. And God has asked us to have a spirit of generosity that has to do with supporting God's work. And I thank you for your generosity in supporting this work and working as partners with us. I thank you for that, for supporting missions, supporting our college and our fellowship, supporting Shoreline Community Care, for the gifts you give throughout the year when you find out there's a need and you come and say, can I help with that? Can I scholarship that? We don't want any of our kids to not go to camp or not do this or that or, or participate in Awana or Pioneer Girls or because they can't. No, and you, and you help. And I want to encourage you and thank you for your spirit of generosity. And I want to encourage you to be generous with your life, with your neighbors, with your friends, even though sometimes it might be hard and sometimes it might be a sacrifice and it might be giving up your rights to what you have a right to do because you are free to do it. If it offends your brother or sister and could cause a barrier, I want you to have the spirit of the Apostle Paul and say, if I have to, I'll never touch another piece of meat in my life. That's no comment whether meat's good for you or not. That's not, you know, it's Father's Day today and some of you are going to be barbecuing, okay? But the only stamp you'll see is USDA probably, you know. But I want to tell you, are you willing to do that for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? His motivation. Madeline's going to Africa. There's, there are some differences when you get there. There are, there are differences in culture. And when you get there, you have to adapt. When we went to Southeast Asia, there are differences we have to adapt. And when they come here, and we do it for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, when all is said and done, I do this for everyone that I might win some. I want to encourage you, friends, to be generous Bereans with your life, with your resources, with your own family, with your friends, with the community of faith that God has put you into. May this be a place when someone comes in these doors, they, they know right away, this is a generous place for the work of God. It's Father's Day today, and this is my Father's Day message. Fathers and men... Uh, you set the tone in your families for this. 
I'm not saying you have to tip 30, 40%. Okay? <laughs> Trainer wanted to do that. I don't tip 30, 40%. But you set the tone for your families and for this local community of faith. Father's Day, uh, as you know, many of you, of course, that my father passed away when I was eight years old. My mother never remarried. My sisters were in high school, and pretty soon they were gone up to college. So it was my brother and me and, and my mom, and then my aunt came to live with us. The Father's Day was always kind of an interesting holiday. What do you do when Father's Day rolls around and there's really nothing to celebrate because there's no father? And... Uh, what we would do is, I remember in high school, as we, you guys age here, uh, my mom and I would come to church, and so after church, we'd go over to the Jewish cemetery over here in Shoreline and usually bring some flowers for Father's Day. Uh, you go to Jewish cemetery day, you put a rock on the grave. And no one really knows why. There's different theories. You probably watched Schindler's List and saw that, putting that rock, those stones on the grave. But that was Father's Day. And then we go home. And, you know, we didn't have a barbecue. We did it. That was pretty much it. But you know what? I'm one of the most blessed people in Shoreline. I live in Seattle. I'm in Shoreline right now. Because in this community of faith, I had so many fathers. I had so many fathers. I never lacked for a spiritual father figure in my life because there were so many men in this church, many who have gone on to be with the Lord, many who are here today, many whom I go visit that can't come anymore, many like Roy Mullen who will meet on Tuesday for his service. He was my junior high Sunday school teacher. We sat there in the school over at the Loyal Heights School when we met. And I, I think back now, we'd sit there in a circle, and he'd come and read his quarterly Bible thing, and we didn't pay attention very often, and we weren't always passing notes. I mean, Jim wasn't, but I, I was. You know, <laughs> me and Steve Perkheiser, we were. And uh, I remember one time something was going on, and Jim and the Christian Ed Vector come by and looked, and, and Dave Kane and Jim came in and pulled me and Steve Perkheiser out, <laughs> you know. Can you believe that? Me. I wasn't doing anything. I, Jim was doing it, but they wouldn't. <laughs> nobody's going to pull Jim Fossey out of a class, you know. <laughs> and gave us a little talking to him about how we, and Roy was our teacher. <laughs> you remember Roy? Did, he te- did you have him for teacher? You know, those men gave to us and loved us. And it wasn't about what I remember what Roy taught. And I had the privilege of going to visit Roy at Krista and, and several times over the last couple of years and then over at, when he was at a Culver house. He was so happy to see me and it was embarrassing. He was, it was like, you know, I was, he was so happy to see me and so kind and, and I think of what these men gave to my life. And I'm just telling you today, men in this church, God wants you to be generous. Be generous, not just with your family, but be generous with this community of faith. Be a part of this community. Share your lives. Talk to these young people. Encourage them. Find out what, they, what they're praying about. Be a man. 
Be a generous, kind, compassionate, loving, tender man like the Apostle Paul. And have an impact on this faith community and this community and this world. It's Father's Day. Be a spiritual father. Start with your family. But do it for this community. And God will bless us. You read the Bible, God blesses generosity. And I'm not preaching the health and wealth gospel because that's a lie. It's a lie. But God blesses generosity in His way. And if you read the Old Testament, you will see things like the psalmist, I was young and now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. And the Proverbs, a generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Let's share our money, our food, our lives. Let's be generous men on this Father's Day. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you on this Father's Day for those in this congregation who have been such spiritual leaders and not perfect. None of us are perfect, Lord. None of us had a perfect father and none of us are perfect fathers. And yet with our imperfections and our weaknesses, uh, you've blessed us. God, I think how you've blessed my life. You've blessed me with uh, four wonderful children and their spouses walking with you. God, I don't deserve that with healthy grandchildren who are involved in, in your works and uh, taking advantage of Christian ministry. I don't deserve that. Lord, you're so good. What a privilege on a day like this to once again just call you our Father. Lord, there are some here today who had difficult relationships with their fathers and this day maybe doesn't bring very happy memories. But you fill that spot. You fill that place. You are a father. And we just thank you this day for your goodness to us. We thank you for your generosity and may we be imitators of you as Paul tells us as dearly loved children and live a life of love and live a life of generosity. In Christ our Savior's name, who was generous to go to the cross of Calvary and to give his life for our sins, we pray these things.